Colin Westman. Matt Carson. And this week, we are talking about movie scores for no reason. No one ask any questions. The only thing we have to get out of the way is these are scores, original scores, music written for a movie, not a collection of hits like High Fidelity or all Wes Anderson movies. We don't have a lot of time here. I know this is probably... A shock to all of you guys, but sometimes we're not that prepared, and we have to do these right at the end of time. So let's just get right into it. <laughs> Alexander Nevsky is the first film on our list. A score by Sergei Prokofiev. 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 You added this one. Yes, I did. And this was a theme, interestingly enough, that I was pretty familiar with before I saw this movie, which was pretty recently. Because this music I used for one of our own films, Twelve Labors of Heracles, very popular on YouTube. Uh, AJ hooked me up with a CD of just these epic classical themes. Like these are so cool. These are so per- perfect. These like huge battle hymns. And then he's like, "This is the soundtrack to a movie." And I'm like, "Really?" And then it took me like four years to go and see it. It was on. It's on YouTube. It's a oh. film from late '30s, Russian. Sergei Eisenstein. Uh, Sergei Prokofiev. Is you the, knew how to pronounce it all along. I just like. I just like to see you struggle. But it's dick move, man. And it's a film, the 13th century, I want to say, and Germany is just coming in and invading Russia because Germany's the bad guy in every single movie. And so mm-hmm. it's just basically this movie that's just about big epic night battles. And what I like about this theme, or just all the music from it, I guess, that's what we're doing. It's the whole score. Is that there's these classical pieces that I feel like could be from like, I don't want to say Beethoven times or something, you know, just from the past. They, they kind of have that, that, I don't know if I want to say timeless, almost, I guess, more old-fashioned, actually. You know, I'd go that direction. Just those old epic themes. Everything's just thrown in. Every single instrument you can think of. And what's really cool is the, all the Russian, all the Russian themes are just heroic. The guy's going, oh, 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 oh. but all the German ones are like, you're in hell or something. <laughs> they might as well be soldiers of hell, not Germany. And they're so scary in the movie because of this music. And it's just, it's just such an epic experience. It's not a really long movie, but it just feels so much bigger because of the soundtrack. And that's what's so cool about it. So seeing that you guys. I haven't seen the movie, but you've probably heard some of the music from our film, uh, Twelve mm-hmm. Labors of Heracles, on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, what do you think? Uh, it certainly is epic music. Um, it's hard to say because it, that that seems like music that would very specifically tie into the movie that it's in. 
I mean, this certainly isn't a soundtrack I would download and listen to in my free time. Oh, yeah? Because they performed it in a lot of concerts, like, separately. Well, I mean, it's just because I have no taste in classical It's weird. It doesn't really... I guess... I don't know if you can knock this against it, but it doesn't really seem like a movie score. It just seems like its own classical thing that they threw into a movie. I agree. I mean, I feel like since it's not... It's not really known... For a movie soundtrack, does that make sense? It's not recognizable as a theme, you know? I, that makes sense, I suppose. I think if you say Alexander Nevsky, it's, I wouldn't think... I think I would think you're just talking about some random person, you know, yeah, not a movie. Like, it sounds like a classical music composer, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think that might come from the fact that it's a Russian film and it was done so early on. Because mm-hmm. so, there is a certain Hollywood sound to what... Uh, we kind of expect out of a film score, and I think, like the, he was just uh, influenced by classical music, and he hadn't heard American film score music, yeah. and that's why it sounds so. Yeah, and, I mean, back then it just was classical. There wasn't any reference, you know what I mean? When uh, they were scoring movies, I guess it was. I mean, tell me if I'm talking out of my ass. No, I think I agree. <laughs> that makes lots of sense. So. Is epic and cool as you know as this is. It's definitely not as memorable as some of the other ones. So yeah, and I don't I don't think I put it in when I think movie score. I guess I'm thinking a little more modern as far as you know the classics. I mean, I, I definitely like what I've heard and etc. But I don't know. It wouldn't be in my top ten. All right, moving on. We have Batman, 1989, Danny Elfman. jazzed up listening to this. I mean, in the movie, this is what, like footage of like a sewer, I think. Or maybe I'm thinking Batman 2. That sounds more like Batman 2, but go on. Well, maybe. Maybe some scenes. In a while. It's just so exciting to hear. But this is just one song. We're talking about a whole score here. Yeah, well, let's just talk about this scene for a little bit more, I, I suppose. What I like about it is I feel like it starts out so scary, but it tur- it, it's like heroic and scary at the same time, which, which I find... Which is what Batman is. Yeah, which is... It's, it's, it's interesting that they could find that balance. I think they succeed on a really cool level. But it's funny, when I think of Batman, I mostly think of all the Prince. The pr- is it just the one Prince song? I feel like there's more, but I just that scene is just so big. Yeah, there's just, I think there's just one scene where Jack Douglas is like dancing around playing <laughs> Prince. It's funny. It's like that. I remember the Batman theme and the Prince song. I'm sure there's some other cool stuff. You know, Danny Elfman always has pretty extensively creepy scores throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But hard, I don't know. It's, it's hard, hard to remember. Say. I'd say it's probably a maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you say Danny Elfman, it's kind of yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be close, if not on there. I mean, I think that he's the only one. This is his only score we have on our uh, on our list. 
It's probably his best, though. Yeah. Probably. Definitely his most memorable. This one for Edward Scissorhands is really good. It's That's just really not, good. It doesn't have like a definitive theme, though. It's just uh, the instrumentation. Well, this, really is, cool. this, is, this is just whole scores. So it could have been, but. Yeah, but. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Oh, well. Blade Runner. By Vangelis. like Knight Rider, but he composes music. You know, I can imagine Knight Rider making this kind of music. Driving over a giant keyboard. We're have like robot voices over it though, like, oh, faster. <laughs> Drive. Uh, I really like this score, just because I feel like it's the only, like, well, let's not go there, man. If you want to go there, Okay, so I like it because I feel like there's so many like bad '80s synth scores. Like this is the only one I can think of where it's actually like holds up well in regard to the movie. I guess because it's kind of a futuristic movie and synthesizers are kind of futuristic. I don't know, but there's something really sort of. It's funny how nowadays it's they're not futuristic; they're '80s. Yeah. They're all retro back then. But it's not like cheesy. It's like yeah. pretty beautiful for <laughs> for the way it's used in the film. It's just really lush and atmospheric, and uh, I think it definitely adds to the whole like existential feel of the film. I just feel like after Blade Runner, maybe it was pretty. Um, I don't know this, I don't know this this score is more impressive when it came out, but I feel like after there's been so many themes that are so similar. In the, in the way it's like just a synthesized score that I don't know this just sounds like I feel like I've heard this in another movie or something I feel like there's other movies maybe they're just ripping it off or something but it just doesn't seem that original to me now yeah Colin if you did this with a guitar it would be the Lethal Weapon score guitar and saxophone drone that's the ultimate combo for talking Lethal Weapon like I guess I don't see like I, I, I can't separate it from other heavy synth scores that have that have come out that came out after it or something. I feel like you could find a lot of similar themes in like the first Terminator maybe, or I don't know, the running man had kind of music kind of reminds me like this. I just feel like there's a lot of similar scores in my, in my mind. Those don't seem as good to me, (laughs) but I haven't like listened to them recently. I don't know. I'm not going to fight this one because I know it's not going to make the list. So, well, that's a happy, what we heard was nice. Well, I just, just wanted to throw it out there. Sure. All right. Well, go from the one Colin put on here, even though he knew it's not going to make it. Let's go to the one I put on here and don't think is probably going to make it. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon score by Tan Dunn. And Yo-Yo Ma, according to this version I had. Crouch, Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you have a, a movie where 
so much goes unsaid. All, these characters are, are all really stoic or uh, acting against the way they really feel the whole time. And so the music has to do a lot of the, the hard work with all these people just standing around not saying what they really want to say. And I think it does a great job. It makes what, you know, without the music, it would be just a, a martial arts movie, basically. And it, it adds this sorrowful uh, tinge to the movie, I guess. I know this is an uphill battle because some of you guys don't even like this movie. <laughs> this just reminds me of, like, every Asian movie I've ever seen. Especially because I feel like it, it relies so heavily on that one instrument. I can't remember, like an air who? It's like one of those Chinese fiddles that has the two strings. Stephen Wang. Yeah. I was got to get a reference to our high school <laughs> class. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that instrument way too many times in Asian movies. And like, so this one doesn't really stand out to me in any way. It just sounds like so many other, I don't know, martial arts movies I've seen. It just seems so familiar. I don't know. When you put this song on, the, on this score on the list, I was like, I couldn't remember anything about the score. But then I heard this song. I was like, wow, this song's pretty beautiful. But this is like the op- the ending credits, right? I think so. But it's hard to remember exactly. I mean, I feel like a lot of the music kind of sounds like that. Like I could just as easily imagine them fighting in the treetops with that music playing. Mm-hmm. Or the desert scenes, I could imagine, with that song as well. But, I mean, just just think about that movie, Colin. Think about all those those long shots of them not even really saying anything to each other, just moving around beautifully in, in these beautiful locations. And then with this beautiful score. This is, for me, a really excellent example of, of a score that doesn't bring too much attention to itself, but it just accentuates and fills in the gaps that... Uh, the acting and, and the sets and everything else aren't filling. I think it's boring. Sorry. You think the whole movie's boring, though, to be fair? I just think that kind of music is boring. Wish <laughs> I could do a better impersonation of that instrument. <laughs> that Chinese instrument thing. It's just not my, it's not my bag. Okay. I'm cutting it. Uh, let's keep moving with Gone with the Wind, a Max Steiner joint. Okay, well, I watched Gone with the Wind for the second time, I think ever, like a couple of years ago, and the score was really the thing that stuck out to me. It's just got this great sweeping quality to it. Yeah, it's just so epic and just, like, romantic and just... It was kind of the epitome of, like, what a Hollywood score, I think, sounded like during Hollywood's golden age of the 40s. And, I mean, we we just mentioned what, uh, you know, classical music is. I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. <laughs> Anyways, it's good. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. I was going somewhere, and then I just... <laughs> yeah, it just took me away to another place. I haven't seen it. I can't help you out on this. You haven't seen Gone with the Wind? 
No, because I feel like it's so long. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have a problem with long movies. I'm sure I'd like it if I ever get around to it. I think it's in my Netflix queue. It's been in there for so long. I'm like, wow, to watch that movie, that long of a movie on my laptop. I feel like it's the kind of movie I'd love. To, I'd rather watch in like a theater or something. Or an eighth grade that class. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see it going. I've only me. heard great things about the score, and this sounds pretty good. So. I mean, if you want to... I mean, when you, play this, this, when you play the song that you chose to play, of course I'm going to... Well, this is the iconic song from the film. It's when she's on top of the the hill in front of Tara saying, I'll never go hungry again. I mean, that's some powerful shit, man. (laughs) The music is a huge part of it. The ultimate fuck the world moment. (laughs) I never thought I'd hear anyone say that about Gone with the Wind. (laughs) What if that's what they'd called it? (laughs) Yeah, she just stands up there. Fuck the world! (laughs) They could remake it and call it that. Vin Diesel. I like it. <laughs> Tweet it at people. Uh, well, I'm certainly not taking off the list right now. So let's just keep this moving with Halloween. A John Carpenter movie and soundtrack. I guess it is kind of a loop. Yeah. I could have started talking about it like after we've listened to it for 10 seconds and been like, okay, we can talk about it. You That's know the rest. <laughs> but it's, like it's just so appropriate. I, I love the minimalism of this score. All the uh, all, the whole score is very just – it's just him like hitting a few keys on the piano for each song. I feel like that's all his scores. I, I don't know if I'd say – I don't know if I agree with that. But I feel like it really works in its kind of this bare approach for Halloween. And I agree it does work beautifully with the film. I mean it's – Well, that's what it's – I feel like that's a big part of what this yeah. is, how well it works with the film. And I just think this is so I creepy. I put my two cents. That's fine. This used to be my ringtone. It's so scary. <laughs> it still is actually. It's just my phone's always on vibrate. It always scared the hell out of me. I was like, oh, I'll just put the sound vibrate. Right. I don't have an answer to this call. It could be. But yeah, I think it's pretty easy to knock against it that John Carpenter isn't really a composer. Yeah. He said himself, I don't know anything about music. <laughs> like, I don't know how to play. I'm just dicking around. It just, he happened, I think, to hit on gold for this one. I mean, a lot of horror fans are like, this is one of the best horror, horror scores of all time. But I mean, when you compare this to something with like, just think of this on the, like compared to like maybe Gone with the Wind, something that's probably a huge sweeping orchestra, and then he's like, boom, 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 boom. he's got like a little beat machine, and like it's cool for what it is for what it is, but not top ten of all time probably. It's just I think if it was like if this was within the horror genre because it's definitely effective at establishing a mood, mm-hmm. and I think it's still just as creepy as it was back then, but yeah, it's I don't know, it's a little, it's a little chintzy. Maybe compared to some of these other these other ones, I've always been more about the fact that John Carpenter does his own scores than actually the John Carpenter scores. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cool, uh, it's a 
Yeah, because who else does that? I don't know. Robert Rodriguez. That's it. Okay. Is he There's a one. musician? Yeah, he's hella good. Yeah. He does it all. He's also a chef. <laughs> does he cater? He's, his own, yeah. he's his own cinematographer. He does special effects. He's a one-man army. Sent to if you believe in such things. If you believe in such blasphemy. Uh, let's move on to another great horror score, Jaws, our first John Williams entry. A lot of songs that build up on that list. I wonder what that says about us. Is this another like 12 minute version that you found? Nah, this is only like two and a half minutes. I mean, everybody else is done. But what, uh, what I think is so cool about Jaws is for anyone who's ever been, is a, is a big fan of this movie and has maybe seen like a behind the scenes or a documentary about it, this whole movie was like a huge, like failed, like everything was just, they're screwing up everything in production. And they really didn't have a shark. I mean, they had it for a couple scenes. Like, what are we going to do? John Williams has this score. It kind of is the shark. It has to, because there's these POV shots and you have this music and it, it, you kind of get the sense that this music is the shark in a way. It's creeping up. It's that, it's that integral to the movie that it kind of almost acts as a character. And I find that so compelling and it's so menacing and so simple at the same time, too. That's really cool. Yeah, if you're talking about minimalism with uh, John Carpenter, look at, look at the Jaws theme. It's funny. I, I feel like I've heard this story once where John Williams showed it to Steven Spielberg. And he laughed. He's like, See, are you, you're joking, right? I don't know how he showed it to him. Like, cause if you showed it to him like on a piano, I could imagine being like, So, but now, like, people were saying, like, that, that made the movie. Like, and that's how important I think this score is. It is, it's such a huge part of the movie. I mean, it's like a character. I mean, yeah. It is the shark, because yeah. there's only, like, two scenes with the shark. So when this comes, you're like, oh, you know, he's coming. He's coming. And there's a lot of other great music in Jaws that I think is probably overlooked just because of how memorable this one is. Mm-hmm. I remember there's the great scene where Quint um, is telling the story about the, like the U.S. Indianapolis and like how it, you know, you know, they fell in the water and mm-hmm. sharks and stuff. Like there's a really scary theme for that part. And there's some more more emotional stuff for just kind of Roy Scheider scenes where he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> There, there's some real tension to a bunch of scenes that shouldn't have any tension at all. That's yeah, just people sitting around in their house. You're like, there's shit out there. <laughs> like, don't like, leave. Yeah, like, think about the footage of people just playing at the beach, just having a good time. And you throw this one score in there, and it changes everything. That's that's exactly what I'm looking for uh, uh, for this list. Good, only, good uh, job, John Williams. If only the... Uh... There was a scene where the shark came on to the land. I needed <laughs> land shark. You can do it in Jaws Unleashed. Classic video game. I'm sure we'll talk about it soon. In one of our other future podcasts. <laughs> Classic video game. Can't wait for that one. I don't, I don't know what that list would be. That's all it is. Uh, but let's keep, <laughs> let's keep talking about John Williams with uh, another very good, very different score, Jurassic Park.
no matter how many times I hear it butchered by a school band, I still love it. But I noticed that. Like, I feel like I heard it in elementary school. I just sit through it in junior high. It's just like one of your go-to, I guess, music. Is this like not that complex or something, the way it's arranged? Considering it's a movie it's about weird, like I don't giant dinosaur. Yeah, it's <laughs> DNA cloning. I'm not sure if it fits the movie. I guess it does. I mean that that one scene where you first see a brontosaurus yeah, and the I thing mean, swells up. That's pretty good. I mean, it's definitely, there's definitely an epic, beautiful, you know, idea to the movie. Yeah, it's dinosaurs just dinosaurs aren't just T Rexes and Velociraptors. Well, uh, that's. That's that, about this whole thing about Jurassic Park. It's nature. It's not monsters. Nature. Like, that one scene where you hear this Like where they drive up. Oh, it's in the field. They move There's a very beautiful scene there in the tree with the... I, I, I feel like it, they call it a brachiosaur, but I feel like since then people like, that dinosaur didn't really like exist. People got kind of... Met they put the wrong bone in the wrong yeah, thing. So, so it is. It, it is what it is in the movie. It's either a brontosaurus or a brachiosaurus, and the other one doesn't exist. Yeah, um, and there's some good. There's some good scary stuff in here uh, as well. Just at the opening credits, I remember it's got like this kind of boom. You know, when they have the opening. I guess the raptor scene is first. Yeah, the one I remember is the one where they're like driving. The kind of. I don't even know how to describe that song, but you know, it's like a. It's like we're going off to march kind of song. Oh yeah, da 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 da. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. March. <laughs> Going out to see some. Hopefully, shit. everyone else understands that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we should have done. We should have just done each theme like acapella. We released the beast. <laughs> what? Release the beast? John, put, oh. the, put the beast away, John. Put the beast away. I don't know how to do that. Uh, keeping Jurassic Park? I think we should probably keep Jurassic Park. I think for now. I think like you gotta. I'm not sure when we're going to start cutting John Williams. It's, it's, it's going to be powerful. We only we got... Cut John Williams. Like, oh, we can't have so many John Williams, but... We only got three right now. Yeah. But... We'll see. We can invoke our wrath on him later. <laughs> but I don't want it because they're all good. I know. He's great. He's my favorite composer in general. It's like he has to by default. <laughs> Maybe if someone else put out 20 incredible themes, but... He wrote the Olympics, man. <laughs> the that's Olympics. Pretty, that's pretty epic. The Olympics. Wow. Speaking of epic, Lawrence of Arabia, the Maurice Jarre? 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 I don't know. Score? Into the sweeping epic category, it's kind of like Gone with the Wind in the Middle East, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, this also, it's got that. I was watching scenes from this movie. And there's that one scene where you hear the score, and there's this, this shot of the desert, and the camels come out from behind this giant like sand hill, and it's like, whoa, this is something. <laughs> and seeing that on the big screen, like. Uh, 
three of us did. Man, that was an experience. And the music, it's a huge part of it. I like that this is kind of your go-to Middle Eastern theme now. Like, I've seen episodes of The Simpsons, wherever they go to, like, a Middle Eastern type location, they have to use this music. Or other cartoons where they use something very similar. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is the theme to that kind of location now. That the, the Lawrence of Arabia soundtrack. There's just no other movie I can think of besides maybe 2001 that sustains itself so much just on beautiful visuals and amazing music like Lawrence of Arabia does. I mean, blowing out the match and then cutting away and then boom. God, that is incredible. I wish my life was that epic. You just got to move out to the desert. You just got to move out to Arabia. Start waging battles. Probably not the best idea at this point in time, but, you know, it worked for him. (laughs) I just feel like it's cool that I could hear the music to this movie, and I just, I feel like I just know the location, what they're trying to, what kind of location they're trying to give you, that kind of Middle Eastern. Exactly, if you didn't even know anything about it. Yeah, you just, oh, this is like a desert thing, you know, out in the Middle East or whatever. An astounding score. I think we're keeping it on the list for now. I'd say so. Change things up a little bit. Go to a very different kind of place. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Howard Shore. What does that say about you? Choose these build-up songs. This one is a build-up. It's just... So I, t- I went with the two towers because when I think about uh, the three Lord of the Rings movies that I know of, um, the the two towers is <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the two towers is the one score I, I think of having uh, more of a presence in in the movie. Uh, I think I think of moments like uh, Gandalf showing up at the very end and riding down the hill. That's just all music. Um, it's, a, it's a more sorrowful movie than the other two yeah, it's a little more real just dealing with men most of the time instead of fantastic creatures but I, I really love the uh, the Lord of the Rings scores it's one of the one of the few CDs I, I have are all three Lord of the Rings soundtrack CDs how um, many discs is that on like seven that's just three CDs like ten <laughs> I just feel like probably, probably save all of them for the extended edition soundtracks <laughs> That's a thing. It could be. Um, but these are all, I mean, when you when the Lord of the Rings title card shows up and you hear that one theme, that's that's very strong nostalgia. This, these songs had an effect on me. And I don't know if that makes them great or not, but they, they certainly are memorable to me. Uh, they, they certainly do remind me of a time in my life when I was really sad about Lord of the Rings movies. So we've got The Hobbit to look forward sad. to. No. No. He said it reminded him of a time when he's excited. It's like you interpreted that as sad. <laughs> sad? I don't know. I thought you said a time where I was really sad about the Lord of the Because they were ending. Let the record show. I was excited about those movies. Not sad. I was. I. I. I'm actually in the group of people that read the books after the movies. I know. How embarrassing. Might as well just turn my nerd card in. Because <laughs> we're all issued. I'm just always uh, really impressed when people are able to make scores of like established properties like Superman or Lord of the Rings, things people know and love, 
and they make themes that totally embody the spirit of you yeah. know the franchise. I think that's what the Lord of the Rings score does pretty pretty amazingly. I mean, before the Howard Shore score, if you wanted to know what Lord of the Rings sound like, you'd be thinking like, Frodo of the Nine Fingers <laughs> and his ring of gold. Is that Return of the King? That's Return of the King, okay. the musical, not not being confused with the, the Hobbit musical. Only two we got. Cut out the whole middle. The bad half of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I think we should give it in. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Keeping most of them at this point, but whatever. Let's get back to uh, the desert. Let's go to Once Upon a Time in the West at Ennio Morricone School. I know, but I like this one better. And Seriously? I chose the song. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. Man with harmonica kind of scares the hell out of me. It kind of hurts my ears. I don't really like listening to it that much. <laughs> this this uh, movie has a lot of cool harmonica in it. So it's basically all Sergio Leone movies. They're just about cowboys, and they're killing each other, and they're violent, and they have sweet soundtracks. I guess the thing uh-huh. is, like, is this one one of his more memorable ones? It's always my favorite one because I feel like it's got some a lot of edge, some pretty dark stuff in there, and some pretty beautiful stuff to balance it out, so it's not just... So it has the most presence in the movie of any of his scores just because one of the characters is called Harmonica and he's always playing on yeah, Harmonica. Yeah, he's always playing Harmonica. And just that sequence near the end just sends chills down my spine when he's facing off against the other guy. And he's got this plane. He's got these these horrible flashbacks that he has. God, those flashbacks, It's just really man. powerful. That movie is pretty bleak. There's some dark scenes in Once Upon a Time in the West. Kids get killed. A lot. <laughs> More than once. But I don't know. I know we have another Ennio Morricone score to get to. Mm-hmm. That's probably a little more iconic. I just wanted to hear Mayoth Harmonica, and since we didn't get to hear that... <laughs> Access you know, denied. We can hear it right now if you want to. That's okay. We can... It, it builds, so it might take some, it might take a little bit. A little bit of time. And time is of the essence. So. I don't, it doesn't matter. But I don't think it's going to make it, even if we do hear it. Well, a little bit of Mayoth Harmonica cool about this theme is when the guitar kicks in a little later i don't feel like anyone, gonna get that far i don't feel like anyone uses guitar in their scores better than any Morcone. just that edgy electric distorted i hope that that is, creates a good picture for everyone in their head you say this is a more atmospheric score than uh the other one we're going to talk about on, on this list yeah i mean the reason i played the other song is because that's like what i also really love about any Morcone is he can do really beautiful stuff too he's not just capable of really cool sounding edgy stuff i mean you guys haven't you guys haven't seen once upon a time in america have you no that one's got a just incredible score it's really beautiful same with something like cinema paradiso also has just this tearjerker of a score i love any Morricone. the thing the thing is still my favorite thing yeah boom boom He's, uh, he's pretty versatile. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just quickly, is he the thing at the end of the thing? Yes or no? Go around the table. No. Uh, yeah? <laughs> I don't remember. That question doesn't make any sense. What, what do you mean? Is he the thing? Is he the thing? Is the composer of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was talking about Kurt Russell. Oh. 
That's what I thought what Jones said. No, no. I'm talking, I'm, talk, I'm talking about Keith David. Is Keith David the thing at the end of the thing? Uh, well, you're not supposed to know. It's ambiguous, so there really isn't a definite answer. I'm not asking for a definite answer. I'm asking for your I don't, opinion. I don't think either of them were. I think Keith David's the thing. Okay. That's all I'm saying. There's no right or wrong answer. You're wrong. <laughs> What am I, some sort of psycho? The thing is a very scary movie. and That leads uh, us into our next... Uh, God, I didn't even notice it. it was so seamless. No, talking about Psycho now from Bernard Herrmann. So scary. And this is 1960. I don't know why that should make any difference. But Things were not scary I don't know. before 19... <laughs> just when something old is scary, and it's still just as scary as ever. Well, I guess music, that's kind of different. Um, this is probably my favorite Bernard Herrmann. It's just because it's so terrifying. And, if, I mean, of course, there's the shower whole thing that... Wait, 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 wait. I mean, that is just... I don't know. It's like nails on a chalkboard, but it's just so cool at the same time. It's unsettling. Well, yeah, I mean... It's a perfect stabbing noise. <laughs> like, that's what I... It's what a person you getting... Wait, 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 and you know exactly it's almost like it, it's the, it really, the sound effect, because you just have the music to work as the It really sound. destroys the effect of that music when we go, wink, 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 wink. wink. <laughs> and this, this is unnerving, and I feel like it's used at even parts of the movie where there's not much to be afraid of or something. But, I don't know. Well, it's the opening... It's the opening credits. credits. I think they might show it in those driving scenes when yeah. generally is... It, may, it just makes those that much scary when it's like... Like something bad's gonna happen. I mean, without that, it wouldn't it would seem, it wouldn't seem scary, but you have that in there. You're like, I'll... oh shit. <laughs> Someone's gonna die or some, something bad's gonna go down. I'd be like in the era before like Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch. Music was a really important part of a horror movie. That, that's what really made it unsettling, at least for, for me. You know, because that's how you knew it, to, to get on the edge of your seat and, and be afraid of things because some shit was going to happen. That's a good point. It's kind of lost these days. Because it's all just found footage now. No music at all. Unnecessary. I don't know if people want a realism in horror movies. I don't know if that's something. I don't know. They like the torture board. That's not necessarily realistic. I don't know what we're talking Realistic in what way? Are we, are, we, are we not talking about music now? Are we talking about I have music? no idea what we're talking about. Let's go right back to the Psycho score. Is Psycho on our top ten list? It's on my top ten. Could be. But, I, but I'm a big horror guy, so I'm, I'm going to be fighting for that. I, Does that I, kind I of say thing. keep it on the list now. I'd, I'd like to hear what else we have at okay. the end. But I'm fine I mean, with I that. I definitely think it's iconic. It's, it's something that's... Well, let's see what John Williams has to say, because we're back in <laughs> his... Part of town again with uh, Razor Lost Ark. We could do it. I remember we originally were thinking about doing this list as top themes, and I think this came out as my favorite just because of how heroic it is. And it, it just has that sense of adventure. As that, you know, John Williams does so well. Just capture the feeling and in a way, though, because I feel like we should come up with if there is, if it's possible, one criticism against John Williams. I feel like a lot of his scores are sort of similar. Like I've always thought, 
it'd be cool if you like interchanged like maybe Superman and Star Wars just to see like if the scores would work. I've always wanted someone to do it, but no one's ever done that. They're afraid of George Lucas. And they should be. <laughs> but that's just like one small thing. I love John Williams, my favorite, uh, my favorite movie composer of all time. This is my this is my f- favorite of his works. It's kind of surprised me you're saying that. Huh? Uh, not that I don't love Raiders of the Lost Ark, just because I'm struggling right now to think of another. I mean, song. this has a resonance for me just because this is probably my favorite Spielberg movie, probably, and. Uh, that's what I like about Spielberg is the adventurism and the just pure entertainment of his films, and that's what Williams does so well. That's the thing you could knock against Spielberg, too, is he relies on Williams' scores too much to sort of convey the emotional quality of the scenes in his films. Control your emotions like a puppet master. Because that is kind of what Spielberg does a lot, is he tries to manipulate the audience. But... uh I can't complain about Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's some other good music there. You have to remember when they open the Ark of the Covenant, it's like... That's a good one. Or even when it's like he's looking at the idol. It's got the the building kind of anticipation and everything. It's like, oh, God. There's a lot of great music in that. Yeah, I'm hesitant to cut any John Williams It is tough when there's the one theme that everyone remembers. And then it kind of... You you just think about that one. Yeah. Except for Star Wars, where there's 15 themes... So let's just go right into Star Wars. So we went with Empire Strikes Back as our representative. And yet... And yet we went with the main theme, not in the Imperial March. It's just like, you hear this song, you're like, oh yeah, that's what I Star Wars. I don't know, when you hear Imperial March, you're like, well, it's good, but... That's my favorite song, Imperial March. Well, I guess everyone has their favorite. You're weird. <laughs> oh, it's terrifying. Of course, Nancy's favorite is the prequel trilogy soundtrack, right? Revenge of the Sith. Just because those movies aren't as good doesn't mean the music's not as good. <laughs> I mean, I w- I'd probably say my favorite is the, um, you know, my kids about how it goes, but you know, when we're just going up to the Tucson, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. da-da-da. 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 That's some melodramatic as shit. As it is, my second pair is probably the love thing. Why is that embarrassing? From episode two? Because it's, like the, yeah. it's the theme for the romance, but yeah. the worst romance in the history of cinema, <laughs> basically, <laughs> between Padme and like, Anakin. I mean, like, like, my least favorite part about Star Wars is my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite themes, but I digress. I guess I just identify with a little bad guy music. Because I think one of my other favorites is probably the Emperor's theme. The, oh, 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 oh. What's the matter with oh, you, John? Oh, Emperor is badass. At least he is a return of the Jedi. You got problems, man. I almost just wish we could just put them all. Like we went with Empire. Four way tie for first. Four way tie for first. It's a little ridiculous. I mean, I, I would almost lump them all together. Just say Star Wars. I mean, they borrow a lot of the same themes. Yeah. But I guess each one has, like, a couple that they add in there. Like the Ewok one. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the memorable Ewok theme. <laughs> are we are we cut the special edition? Do we get down the, the band, the CGI band from Return of the Jedi? <laughs> 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 
Sorry, I'm getting those off oh, track. God. Just thinking about every single Star Wars. I think we've just seen Star Wars so many times. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, <laughs> he's probably like high or in a dark place. <laughs> George Lucas was just whipping him. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> I can't come up with emotions. You do it. <laughs> but that's good. Of course, Star Wars is, you know, it's going to be on the list, definitely, for sure. So. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the great Star Wars songs. It's, it's fucking my shit up. Uh, the Sunshine score is by two people. It's mainly John Murphy, but also a band called Underworld. So this is my, like, hella building soundtrack score. Uh, God, Sunshine is, has a great score because it really gives the whole movie a sense of claustrophobia and just building dread. And uh, just this, like, this song is just such a long payoff and so great. But I'm also pretty sure I'm the only one here who's seen Sunshine. I want to. I hear it a lot. I've heard a lot of good things. I feel like I've heard this theme in other things, too. Walking Dead. I feel like people steal John Murphy themes a lot, because the 28 Days Later theme, I remember I once went to the movies and I saw two trailers in a row that used it. <laughs> Beowulf and then that, that terrible Lindsay Lohan movie, like, I Know Who Killed Me. And I like that score, too. I thought about putting that on I mean, personally, list. I'd say John, that's probably, I think that's John Murphy's best work is 28 probably. Days Later, because that's so scary. And he does such a great job of incorporating rock music. Like guitars and drums and stuff. I don't know if, if no, Sunshine, totally, Sunshine totally does so that. He does the same kind of stuff he's incorporating. Yeah, but it, it, it adds a lot more of a feeling to the to the movie because this, this is a film set entirely on a spaceship. Uh, so it's, it's, you're, you've, it's so cramped. You, you feel trapped inside of it. Uh, and the score does a great job of accentuating that. And then there's, there's some weird things like the movie's villain they never clearly show until the very end of the movie. It's all just blurry and... Uh, the the soundtrack does a lot of the, of the work there. They add, you know, he has a certain sound to him whenever he shows up, and the camera goes all crazy, which maybe is not my favorite part of the way that movie is made. Uh, but I think it's a really great score. Can you tell us anything about Underworld and what that is? <laughs> uh, Underworld, I think, is just like a band that helped. Is it just like two electronic guys that mess yeah, on? For all songs. I know, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like that's what it is. Um, but I, I'm bumping it just because no one else knows anything about well, it. Well, I want to see it. You should see it. I really... It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the recent Dan, few years. It's not Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, yeah. Danny Boyle film. He usually works with John Murphy, of course. Until now he's using HR ramen all the time. I don't know who that is. Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. Yeah, I know. Same thing. You know, India. Jai Ho, that's what I was thinking Let's get out of here as fast as possible and listen to uh, The Godfather by I don't even know who. Nino Rota. Italian composer. He did a lot of Fellini scores. Why? Because it starts off with that guy's having the conversation with The Godfather. Straight up murder, you man. Never go against the family. 
Uh, this one's sort of, I don't know. I don't know what traditional Italian music sounds like, but this is kind of what I think of because it just reminds me of like the old country, the, tr- the tradition of running the family business or whatever. It's, it is kind of creepy. Yeah. I think, yeah, that level of intimidation comes through, uh, not just through the performances in the movie, but also just music. It's pretty cool. I like it. And even though we heard that, I don't know the names of the themes or the tracks or anything, we heard the sadder one, there's, of course, the dun-dun-dun. That's the uh, Godfather love theme. Yeah. And <laughs> <'Cause> that's, <laughs> well, that's when he when Michael goes off to Italy and gets it on with that one chick okay. who explodes. It's not, it's not about us falling in love with the Godfather. Nah, that'd be a little weird. Godfather love scene. Captured our hearts. <laughs> Get away from me, Marlon. I remember it so cool. One of my relatives... <laughs> Someone in my family had like a clock, and whenever it hit a certain time, it started going dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> I was like, "That is the coolest clock I ever seen," and it just—that's another one of those things where you could just hear it, and you're like, "Oh, Italian! I know exactly what they're saying here." And it's weird because, I mean, I, I guess it's the combination of instruments and just uh, the way they're played together and everything. It's just interesting how they can capture that kind of that kind of feeling just with the music. But of course, it's, it's so effective with the images as well. I mean, just as you're playing that, I was just thinking about the scene where they're closing the door, you know, when Michael's in the little office and everything. Iconic scene, iconic score. I feel like it's it's uh, definitely uh, one to consider. Yeah, I like it. I don't. I'm not that passionate about the Godfather score, to be honest. I could live without it in our top ten. Why did it have so many people doing it? Do you have any idea? I'm just always curious. I mean, that's just. The, I think I just took the Wikipedia credit. Oh, uh, so the other names we have listed are Carlo Savina and Carmine Coppola. Another one of Coppola's relatives or something. Maybe I think it's his dad. He's got so many relatives that work in the industry. He's just, he's just big on nepotism. Nicholas Cage, thing. real name, Nicholas Coppola. He's like his nephew. So many of them. They're everywhere, man. They're like gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Don't feed a Coppola, apparently. It's the lesson of this podcast. Don't give a Coppola a project. I don't know. I mean, I would keep it on. Is it just Sean? Are we down to voting? Well, I don't know. It's just Sean's like, I I could live without it. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I said it. That's a fair representation. said it in that really surly manner. (laughs) I I think it should be on it. We'll see. Then it's a maybe. Fuck you guys. Uh, back to Ennio Morricone. We were hinted at this earlier. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Can we just listen to this for the whole rest of the podcast? Which instrument? Some, it's like a, I feel like it's a recorder or something. Maybe. I don't know, cause I, maybe not, because I feel like all recorders sound terrible. So it's probably something a little better than a recorder. Get a, you can get a bachelor's degree in recording. 
That's interesting. But anyways, we get back to this. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, you asked what instrument is that? That's what I love about this theme is he uses so many weird like sounds that just come out of all these different places, and they somehow make sense in the, in the context of this movie. Somehow, I've always loved how he uses vocalists. You can hear the guys in that. Hey, oh, 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 oh. It's so it weird, sounds, but it's awesome. And some damn fine whistling in there. You know. that, but he's got guy. guys going. Ah! It's just—it's so weird, but it's great. And just the score as a whole has a lot going for it too. I mean, there's the ecstasy of gold, which is another great yes. song. That is. I amazing. thought you might even play that one just because you love. I'd like, like to booking tradition. I love it so much. And then that whole the Mexican standoff at the end, that's just music and editing. And that's the thing about this film. It's all style. It's no substance. And the music totally is a huge part of the style. Because, I mean, what, what other film from this era sounds like this? Not, nothing. It's funny that I never thought about it that way. Music and editing. Exactly. They're just looking at each other for like eight minutes. And, then it's, <laughs> and it's awesome. It's the coolest thing you ever saw in your whole life. That's really funny. I mean, yeah, this, for a long time, this was my favorite score of all time. I think it's got to be on the list. Yeah, I don't know how you could, I don't know how we could live with ourselves if we did this. I, I guess, my, John, you prefer. Uh, once upon a time in the West, but you don't have any beef with this one, do you? Of course not. I love Ennio Morricone. I really respect the complexity of his scores in a way, and also the unorthodox way in which they're all thrown together. Like you were saying, just the instruments he uses, and he just goes all out. <clears throat> no, I love this. I love this a lot. I'm just a big fan of the man with the harmonica from Once Upon a Time. Because you're like a villain. Because that's my favorite individual <laughs> uh, Ennio Morricone piece. But I mean, you mentioned the Ecstasy of Gold. I was like, oh yeah, that's a real good one. Because even though I haven't seen this entire movie, I actually probably heard most of the soundtrack. Because I have this Ennio Morricone compilation that's like three hours long. It's like huge. John, so, I, I don't really want to watch Gone with the Wind with you. But if you want to watch The Good and Bad and the Ugly, I will happily sit down with you any day of the week. <laughs> really I haven't seen it since my dad watched it with me when I was like seven. Cool. You do it. <laughs> Speaking of father and son relationships, how about the Omen score by Jerry Goldsmith? Awkward. Okay. It's first of all, it's so weird to think that this is the the theme to a mainstream Hollywood movie. <laughs> this is the most evil thing I've ever heard. So this is Jerry Goldsmith for the movie The Omen, which is about uh, Gregory Peck, the U.S. ambassador in the U.K., and his son is basically the spawn of Satan. This song is called Ave Satani, which is Hail Satan in Latin. All the lyrics, oh, all the lyrics in this song and most of the most of the music in the movie are pretty like pretty dark. It, the, it, the whole score, all, all vocals are Latin, and it's always stuff like. Hail Satan, the body of Satan, the blood of Satan. It's so dark. <laughs> like, Jerry Goldsmith just seemed to like, tap into the darkest pit of evil to make this. And it's, I love the Gregorian chant kind of style to it. It's so threatening. This was his only Oscar win was actually for this, the song, not the score for this movie. He got, mm. I think, 17... Are you saying this was performed at an Academy Awards? I don't know. I'd like to see that, but... 
Yeah, this is his only win, so I always consider it's always my, it's my favorite. He's a very talented uh, composer who's only made this list, only made this list with this entry. Did he do Pirates of the Caribbean? Nice. Like, no, he died. Uh, I think Timeline was his last Timeline. Movie. The Paul Walker <laughs> classic, and then he passed away not long after that. But no, he did that. Chinatown and yeah, basically I'm really sorry whoever wrote Pirates of the Caribbean and a Patton and Planet of the Apes and I think we were talking a while back about the Star Trek theme too oh yes he's just he was a really diverse uh, composer he didn't I don't know if he definitely had a definite sound because he was he was so he, he could adapt to all sorts of styles he did Alien too right? yes he did Alien he's I usually put him like um, maybe even my second or third after after John Williams but yeah, once again, I'm, I've I love the horror themes. This one I think is the scariest, so that's why it's a damn terrifying. Song. And I, I keep saying the theme just because it's the easiest one to talk about. The whole score is basically like is variations on this, and these kind of dissonant piano melodies with people who are like. Oh. Anything I feel like the film doesn't quite live up to the score. It's not quite as scary as. I the think score that's. Is. I think that's fair. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a comment. it's a good horror film. It's just. Not like the scariest thing you've ever it's a seen. idea than it was executed. I almost <laughs> wish the, the, the theme was used in a more appropriate way. Like, I feel like it's first used in the opening credits, and they may come back. But I, I think it'd help if the movie was scarier. So I think this may be a case where if it, it, it doesn't quite gel as well with the images as it could, as good as it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for the relationship to be equal. If that makes any sense. I don't know. I, I think of a movie like uh, like Signs, where they play the scariest song just right on the title cards, and for some reason that's unsettling. Well, that's, like that's you can terrifying. do that. That's a good one too. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's definitely one of my favorites. I'm just trying to think of. I always try to think of both sides. I don't know what you. You make think. me feel kind of guilty, uh, for like, like he's. It's the only Jerry Goldsmith we got on here. How can I take Jerry Goldsmith off our top ten? How can I do it? How could you? Shoot? How could I do it? How could you live with yourself? Mr. I hate the God vote so much, apparently. Well, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't have to have it. I, I don't feel, feel like we have to feel guilty for not including a, um, a great composer. Someone we don't even have on the list, this list is Alan Silvestri, Back to the Future, Predator. He's, he's Forrest Gump. He's he was great. on our when we were doing no. themes. He was on our list. We have uh, we have much love for so many composers, but we really had to pare it down for this list because because we, we got to make room for John Williams. So and I, his big ego, Fat Williams. So seeing that we already came up with I think a, a few knocks against the Omen, I think we're probably going to have to pare it down eventually. I'm going to do it right now. Okay, because we already have one ten on our list. Um, here's an interesting one: the Third Man score by Anton Karas. That's weird because it doesn't remind me of anything because the instrument I think is like only used in this. I swear. I remember I, right after I watched The Third Man for the first time, I went on YouTube and I watched some video and it's like this old. Like, you might remember this sound. And they show some guy playing a zither, and they're like, yes, it's Anton Cross playing for the third man. It's real cool. It definitely reminds me of Curb. It's like pizzeria music. Tell me you want to talk a little bit about, about the third man for people that don't really know anything about it, maybe? Oh, well, it's all on zither. 
this instrument that nobody really knows anything about, but it sounds like this. And which, I mean, <laughs> this came in the late 40s when there was nothing in film scoring except orchestral scores. That was it. And then the third man comes along with this guy playing this weird-ass instrument, and that's the whole score, just one instrument. And uh, I think it fits the film really well because it's a very European-sounding instrument, and the movie takes place in Vienna in this time when there were all these different cultures clashing because this was after World War II, and everybody's just trying to make sense of the aftermath of that that war. And... Uh, I actually always felt that it really didn't fit with the tone of the movie, but I think that's why I liked it, because I almost feel like the movie's a lot darker, and then you have this upbeat kind of thing playing against it. So I feel like that's almost like used ironically in a way or something, just playing against tones. I don't know. I mean, I, I like this theme, but I felt like when I watched that movie, it got kind of old after a while, just zither. I kind of I felt like I wanted more or something or something more elaborate. It just it wore me down after a while. I mean, it's a, it's a cool instrument, but uh, I don't know. I think it can. Ha- it does have a tendency to get annoying, and I think I got a little annoyed after a while. I like hearing your criticisms, John, because to me, this is like just perfect. <laughs> I can't really criticize the third man in any respect. I just keep thinking back to ones that are these huge orchestras, and there's just some guy dicking around. I mean, it's good. But that's and what's so cool about it. Well, I mean, I just don't think that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, des- I, I desire a more more elaborate uh, composition. I think. That's why Blade Runner. You haven't seen this movie, have you? Mm-hmm. So. Does sound like pizza Reed music, though. Do you, I mean, oh, I was hoping Colin would talk about what the movie's about. Like, I think that. Nah. <laughs> a guy goes to Vienna because he thinks his friend's dead. But then there's intrigue. I mean, it's nice. I'm just I've never. <laughs> Okay. But I like uh, Colin's point. Really, uh, Colin made a really good point about uh, whatever he was talking. It's groundbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was saying. Whatever. Whatever. I mean, it's interesting, like how things evolve. I mean, uh, you know, forever it's just orchestras, and then. Then someone says, wait, we don't have to just do orchestra. Yeah, the director, Carol Reed, just saw this guy at a party playing uh, the zither. He's like, eh, well, we just do that as the score of the film. <laughs> yeah. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> That's, so it wasn't a brilliant artistic decision. You say, just oh, like, whatever. This is pretty cool. I'm a little drunk. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. Well, so I guess it's a no for the third man, it sounded like. Uh, that's... That's a movie I own. I will watch it with you someday, Nancy, and you'll be like, oh, yes. Quite good. Quite good. There will be blood, says Johnny Greenwood. What would be good is the one where the uh, the oil fire shit explodes, and it's just like weird percussion sounds. I think the controversy behind that is that that's why he couldn't get nominated for an Oscar. because this he used for pre- a previous work. Son it wasn't all original. Bitch. It wasn't all original music. I don't care. I find it strange. I like this um, 
this this score because it's real dark and unconventional. I mean, it gets really weird in places, but I'm surprised you put it on here because I seem to recall you didn't like it after. after we saw well, that's because I found it really unsettling. But that's kind of a good thing in a movie about a man who's totally unhinged. I suppose it's uh, one that can draw on you too. It's, it's so chaotic and unnatural almost. Except for this song. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you point out the oil fire. That is so scary. It's all percussion, I feel like, too. Yeah. It's just... It doesn't even seem like it's on Earth or something. It's like, what? what is this world we're in where this is going on, you know? And yeah, it's like, this is America. This, this is, is America. the American dream this guy yeah. is living out. He's prospering. This is Beverly Hillbilly he's shit. crushing everyone else. I, yeah. I, really, I really respect just him experimenting doing doing something totally out there i mean this is this is a really good theme but this is probably one of the more conventional ones from the uh, film but it's still very nice i think johnny greenwood's definitely definitely has a career as a composer i believe yeah. he's doing uh pt anderson's next movie he should of course johnny greenwood from radiohead for anyone who's not familiar with the name i think this was his first right this is his first i think before. so yeah but yeah i think there is some controversy the fact that some of this that's the reason the Oscars couldn't nominate, is that he used it. I, mean, I don't in a care about suite. that at all. But well, then, I mean, if we had to come up with that, looking aside from that, I think there's parts where it's a little too weird, maybe. Maybe. I certainly don't hold it on the same level as I hold something like Jurassic Park. Yeah. I just keep thinking about that. <laughs> is this as good as Jurassic Park? I keep thinking about all the other John Williams <laughs> ones we could have put on, like Harry Potter or something. And then I think... I wonder, I wonder why, um, or I guess just because he's hella old, but did he not, because he, he, he only composed for the first one, right? And they just used the same theme. Yeah. Or added a little extra stuff, but I feel like he could have done some cool stuff, like like he did with Star Wars, where they each one has new themes, but... It probably is because he's old. Yeah. I think he's about 80, so he's probably winding down a little, but he'll still... Does he just still do stuff with the uh, Boston Pops, or is that totally out of his hands? I don't know. It's a question for a different group. <laughs> but back to There Will Be Blood. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I just don't think it's great. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not quite in love with it either. So. It was more just because here's a really distinct, mm-hmm. memorable-sounding movie. Not necessarily a terrific score we all love. So the very last one on our list, we're going back to B. Herman, Vertigo. Okay, so I guess I'll talk about it. This is my favorite score of all time. I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's it. I mean, just the the repeating of the notes in the opening scene, where you have the spiraling weird things in the opening credits, is just sets up the film perfectly because this is a guy repeating himself. He's falling into something, and he can't get out of it. It's oh man, it's almost hypnotic. It is the pattern. I really love it. And then when it comes in with the horns. It's just that classic kind of Bernard Herman unnerving. It's really dark, but at the same time, there's a lot of really pretty romantic stuff. I mean, the scene d'amour, that's another just amazing song they that used they used the in The Artist, artist which yeah. I didn't think worked at all, That was honestly. really unusual. Because I was like, this is Vertigo. I can't not think of Vertigo because I associate this 
with <laughs> Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak falling in love in that scene in the hotel room where she walks out and she's Madeline again. They, they did get permission to, for the artist. They didn't just like, just steal the shit. Yeah. It's always no, bitch. Those <laughs> French guys are so mean. It's weird to think because that, that movie got uh, an Oscar for, uh, for best music. And I feel like they, they had to rely so much on this another great theme in a key scene. But yeah, I love Bernard, Bernard Herrmann so much and I feel like if you had to pick his best, it probably would be this, I think. Yeah, this is a score I actually will listen to. Yeah, <laughs> like I have the just soundtrack. the music. I actually like this uh, the soundtrack better than the actual movie. I know a lot of people really, really love Vertigo. It's never been one of my favorite Hitchcock ones. But I love that soundtrack and how hypnotic and weird it is. Yeah, Vertigo's my favorite Hitchcock movie. It's one I had to see a couple times before I was really like, "Wow, this is this is fucking art with a capital A." I think uh, Hitchcock was really really tapping into something really special when he made that film. And I think Bernard Herrmann was just on the exact same wavelength with him, which is always great when you get a director and composer who totally understand what each other is going for. Um, they were just one of those classic pairings. They just like got each other. Yeah. They just like, they think you'd read each other's minds or something. See <laughs> what they had a falling out. I think later on in there, yeah. but let's, let's think about the happy times the good or at times. least. At least the weird, scary times. So where we are right now, we have 12 on our list. And so my instinct is, let's go back and look at the duplicates. And we got a bunch of John Williams. We also got two Bernard Hermans on here. They both belong? Well, what do you think? Because <laughs> I, I put the other Bernard Herman because I'm a big fan of both. You bring up his name. Does that mean you you feel I mean, like you would you? Want I, I'm just I'm just looking at who who we have duplicating on our top ten. I don't right feel now. like that should matter. Yeah, personally. I don't either. Let's well, see. That's the process. It is a difficult process. Do 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 do. Uh, we can't stop talking. Yeah, is, is yeah, anything jumping out to, to anybody? Uh. You know, a lot of these I haven't seen, so yeah. I mean, personally, I just want to keep all the John Williams and Batman. <laughs> it's not that I don't like it, but the Lord of the Rings, just because some of the other ones I find more memorable. Yeah, I don't really like Lord of the Rings. Is a pop out to me. Like, I, I feel like give it another ten years. I mean, the movies will still be as heralded, but will the music be? Yeah, because I feel like hey, hey, it's still hey, so fresh hey, in our hey, minds. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, let's not be so negative. I'll take it off the list. I get it, you guys. I'm just, I'm just, just keep, <laughs> keep positive. I'm not being negative. Just keep positive, guys. Guys, please. Um, so that's 11. One more we got to lose. I would say... What was the Godfather? Yeah, I hate the Godfather. I hate the Godfather so much. <laughs> Uh, so we got. We still have four John Williams. I mean, my a lot. favorite John Williams is probably Jaws. Because it's not as pretty. A lot of other great music in there. Let me just read down the list again, and you guys, when I say it, maybe it'll sound weird to you that it's on the list <laughs> Batman, Gone with the Wind, Jaws, Jurassic Park, Lawrence of Arabia, Psycho, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Empire Strikes Back, 
The Godfather, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and Vertigo. Well, back to Jaws. I just, I just want to say, I feel like you gotta keep it just because of how important it is to the movie. It is the shark. It is like without that, that movie wouldn't be half as good. It like carries such a big part of it. I feel like it's so important and integral to the movie. Yeah, I agree with you, John. That's why. So I just want to say down that, the list put that again. out there. If we look at it from that angle, <laughs> I'm gonna say Jurassic Park, honestly. Oh man! But no one else is gonna agree with I me, so who cares? I, I respect your your courage. <laughs> I, I actually, what do you say? I just don't think of beauty when I think of that film. I think people getting I do chased I, by I do. dinosaurs. I do. I think there no. the, the music is appropriate for every scene that it's used. It, the Jurassic Park theme is not played when the T Rex is killing things, except at the very end when the T Rex saves the day because the T Rex is actually like the real hero of the Jurassic Park movies. If you really think about you know, protagonist antagonist relationships, T Rex. I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you're actually right, honestly. Now that I think about it, because I was just getting swept up in. Well, when I think of John Williams, I just think of themes, and I think that's what I was thinking about with Jurassic Park. But you're right. This is scores. That's right. Shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't make any things any easier. Nope. I get. I. I. I think I, the next one I take a look at is Psycho. I mean, it's, when I think of Psycho, I think of songs that are the same sound over and over. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's unfair. Mm-hmm. Maybe I haven't mm-hmm. seen Psycho mm-hmm. enough or recently. It's kind of true. It's kind of repetitive, but kind of okay with that. Yes. Repetitive kind of works with horror movies sometimes. Yeah. If you think of the Halloween, that one's hella repetitive. When you think of someone stabbing someone over and over, it's like, why would that be a bunch of different sounds? But think of it yeah. this way. Is it as good as all the rest of them? I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking about it's almost on the list. You know what I mean? But is it as, do you like it as much as the other ones? Is there something mm, well, I do. But I haven't seen Gone with the Wind, so I can't. I can't. Sh- I can't help you there. Um, out, man. <laughs> fuck the world. Yeah, fuck the, the world. That's God. That's, that's some that's some shit. I mean, just so we can make some progress, we can. I guess we can cut Psycho as long as we all agree that it's definitely number eleven. I mean, of course yeah. it is because it would be. Man. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's definitely well, maybe on my, the It's really high on my personal list, but that doesn't matter to me. This is all about progress. We made it this far, and it was super difficult. This is I four John Williams. That's still a little ridiculous to me, but okay. I'm not surprised with that at all. I wasn't gonna let any of those not get on. That's the list. oh man, it's pretty weak, guys. Honestly, I don't think it is. I mean, he's one of the best of all time. Make your case, I don't, think it, I don't think it matters that it's just one composer. Yeah, we're sure. talking about scores. Individual. Yeah, fine, whatever. I, I just think he's the best. <laughs> All right, we have our ten. I think number ten should be The Godfather. Um, I think I like The Godfather better than Batman. What? Yeah. Remember, this is scores, this is not scores. Wait, I, couldn't I don't even, know what the rest of Batman sounds of, like. I've seen Batman plenty of times. So I, couldn't, I can't there, think of anything. Yeah, there are two iconic songs from The Godfather. Remember that. Or if you guys want to put... <laughs> I feel like Jaws is going to end up on the lower end of the spectrum just because it is kind of basic. I wouldn't put... The more I think about it, the more I think about how great The Godfather thing is, honestly. 
Yeah, so just playing into the film snob cliches. So mean? Batman at number 10? I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed either. I'm not going to argue with any of this. Okay. You're done arguing? It's good. The hardest part. <laughs> the part with the most arguing. Well, number nine then. I'm thinking maybe Gone with the Wind because people here haven't seen it. I mean, I'm okay with that. Okay. I just, <laughs> I just don't want to have our top four be John Williams. That's all I'm saying. That'll really annoy me. <laughs> no, that's not happening. That is not happening. Okay, okay, okay. So the lowest, I think, on the John Williams ladder right now is is Jaws? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Which kind of weird because, like we said, it's, it's kind of the poster child for your scores doing the heavy lifting in your movie. Yeah, but I, I don't know. To me, just from a musical standpoint, it's, it's not that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Made Spielberg laugh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jaws number eight. Just so we don't have the John Williams top five, top John four. John Williams hex. <laughs> you guys tell me. I feel like we can go. I feel like we can go Godfather next, just because I always like throwing Sean a bone <laughs> after we put him through. <laughs> put him through hell. <laughs> I'm okay with Godfather being number seven, I guess. All right. I'm a little surprised Lawrence Arabia is still there, though. Just a little bit. All right. Six. Okay. It's falling into place. I'd put Jurassic Park. Even though I'd put Jurassic Park behind both the Godfather and Lawrence Arabia, but whatever. Some people hear... This is your guys' list. Group list. Our. What? I'd be down to both those. I mean, I like Jurassic Park, but... I love Jurassic Park. Would you bump both of those ahead of Jurassic Park? Just Lawrence of Arabia. I could live with Lawrence of Arabia. I can't do that. I, I, was, I thought I, it seemed like everything was going to work out for a bit there. <laughs> Jurassic Park coming in at five. <laughs> but I'm not arguing to do it anymore. It's tough. Because now that means I have to. Like, I, I, I think. More Jurassic Park songs stick out in my memory. It's I just feel like it's more memorable. Kind of just the one Lawrence of Arabia song, but it's so good. It's so, so good. good. I just feel like Jurassic Park has to capture so many different emotions. It's true, and then and, and, that, and then there's the nostalgia thing where, like, when I was a kid, this is basically my favorite movie. It's still the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. I mean, because you were I'm just, hardcore. I'm just mentioning that. Does that mean with the score? Going to. I feel like we delve into nostalgia too much in these lists. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be a little more objective, but yeah, you know, personal favorite list. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not letting that weigh into my decision. It just it just happened to come up. Okay, well that's fine. Five. Okay, made the top five. Everyone's happy. I'm not that happy. Calm, but I'm not angry. Yeah, I'm just, you're, you're, I'm never, just, you're never that happy. It's true. None, none of this is ever a happy ordeal for me. Number one, definitely never number one. Yeah, your number one's what? Vertigo. Let's put that number four. Yeah, see, I know you do that to me. (laughs) This is where it gets tough, though. I put Raiders at four. That's me. Damn you! Other thoughts? (laughs) I'm not dictating the list. Raiders three. (laughs) 
And what about four? <laughs> What's four then? Good bad. Oh God, no, no. I'd be down for that, but I haven't seen all of it. It's so good. It's really, really good. I'm glad we're on the same page, Sean. Because I yeah, uh, us and Metallica against the world. Yeah. What? They did a cover of XTC Gold. That's what you were saying, didn't they? Yeah. They opened their shows. They, they opened their shows playing I, it. I don't know if they did a cover. Yeah. And then in Guitar Hero Metallica, they like walk out to that in the opening credits. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, I think Star Wars has to be above Raiders, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. And then... Is Vertigo above Raiders? It was, I mean, it's for me. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't care so. at this point. Because I think that's our number four at this point. Is it Raiders or is it Vertigo? I put Vertigo. I think I put I'd... Raiders over Vertigo. Okay, so I think Vertigo is our number four, Colin. It's too bad. I it's said a it way in better jest. Score. I said it in jest, and it became reality. It's, it's too bad. It's a trick of my mind. Kind of like that whole movie. It's about nostalgia. What? How can I, I have nostalgia for a movie that came out eight years before I was born? Or if we're talking about Raiders. I don't know. I don't care. You just gotta calm down. It's true. So, the number three spot. Raiders. Good, the bad, the ugly. Empire Strikes Back. It's looking like Raiders. Yeah. All in agreement, then. Here we go. I kind of just want to give up right now and say, fine, Empire Strikes Back is our number one. I would agree, but I don't want to piss off comments. No, that's fine. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Star Wars is so good. It's like, why don't you just put it at number one? You might as well. Okay. It's it's just kind of easy and safe. Can we say Star Wars and not just Empire Strikes Back, or do we have to have a particular movie? I just feel like the fact that they share all like a lot of the same music, yeah. they're so interconnected. No, I'd, 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 I mean, we listened to the New Hope theme. I'd put New Hope over it. I mean, Empire, I guess I had to pick one. But I don't know. I just think of them so much as one yeah. long thing. Same with Lord of the Rings. I agree. Well, there we go. Yeah, that's it. So our top ten movie scores. Number ten, Batman. Number nine, Gone with the Wind. Number eight, Jaws. Number seven, The Godfather. Number six, Lawrence of Arabia. Number five, Jurassic Park. Number four, Vertigo. Number three, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number two, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Number one, Star Wars in general. Thank you for listening. We uh, would love if you head over to mildlypleased.com and left any feedback you got. Uh, We've been Top Ten Thursdays. We'll see you next week.